Good morning, Adam Brock. It's good to be here with you this morning. If you're a guest with us, I especially just want to give you a warm welcome. So glad that you are here. If you're watching online, glad you're tuned in. But uh, as always, we're just glad that you've chosen to uh, be here at Edinburgh Church this, this weekend. Uh, today we are um, we're wrapping up our series, and we're finishing our series, uh, Simplify. And as we're wrapping it up, um, I couldn't think of a more important topic to talk about when it comes to simplifying our lives than, than avoiding a very serious spiritual danger to our lives. In other words, what's the point of ultimately simplifying our lives? You know, we've done this series because we want you to be able to eliminate certain words from your vocabulary, words like um, overwhelmed, exhausted, um, overscheduled, feeling burdened. We, we want you to be able to eliminate that from your vocabulary, and what we're going to talk about this morning will help you uh, to do that. But to tee it off, I just kind of want to ask you the question, um, what is it that fires you up? When was the last time you felt fully alive? You were excited about something. There's a lot of things that uh, excite me, a lot of things I like to do. Uh, if I can go up north at least a couple times uh, a year, and that just has a way of filling my tank. I get excited just being on the North Shore. I love doing that. I love wrestling with my kids or playing football out in the backyard with my kids. These are things that help fill my tank and get me excited. I love riding my motorcycle in the summer, something that uh, fills my tank, and I feel fully alive when I'm riding my bike. Um, but I'll also tell you, and maybe some of you can relate to this, I love just having a good bonfire. Anybody else? You might just love having a fire. You know, even this time of year when it's colder outside, I love being able to get the fire pit out and just have a fire going. And uh, last year, I think it was, I, I decided I was going to have a fire. Um, but I don't know if you can relate to this as well. I, I don't like to just have small fires. Like, I want a big fire. Like, burn off your eyebrows kind of fire. That's, that's the kind of fire I want. And so I had this fire going, and it wasn't big enough. And I just chopped down this dead arborvita, and it was a pretty good-sized arborvita. And uh, the thought occurred to me, what if I threw this dead arborvita into the fire pit? Um, something told me that that was a bad idea. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to do, okay, I can't resist. And so I grabbed this dead arborvita, and I throw it into this fire pit. And I've got to tell you, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, my, my fire pit transformed from a, being a fire pit into a giant blowtorch, okay? This dead arborvita took, and the flame went up to our second, the second story of our home. And, I mean, it was so big that I instantly realized what I was doing was probably illegal. <laughs> and even if it wasn't illegal... I was concerned about what the neighbors were going to think, okay? Because this had literally turned night into day again, all right? So I'm looking around frantically just trying to make sure, like, no neighbors are seeing what their crazy, you know, pyro neighbor is up to. When I looked behind me and I didn't realize that my kids had invited every kid from the neighborhood over, and they were all in the basement looking through the window, and I can see their faces, and they're not looking at me. I mean, they're wide-eyed looking as though this flame is licking the heavens. It was one of the cooler things they had ever seen, you could tell. And so I had to go inside and explain, you know, I was teaching you kids what not to do. 
and, and, you know, responsible adults practice fire safety for this very reason. And if it could just stay between us, that would be great. Um, but I got to tell you, I felt fully alive in that moment. When I saw that flame took off, I was excited. I was like, this is awesome. That flame was fully alive. And again, I ask you the question, when was the last time you felt excited like that? When was the last time you felt fully alive? And specifically, I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you felt fully alive, excited, on fire in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Okay. This morning, I want to challenge us, those of us who are believers this morning, I want to challenge us to avoid a very dangerous problem in our spiritual lives, the problem of apathy. Okay, just drifting, just going through the motions. And if you're not a believer here this morning, we know some of you are just checking us out and you're, you're kind of just seeing what this whole church and Christianity thing is about. Let me just say that we're just glad you're here. Okay, and I think actually this message this morning might give you a better glimpse into what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you are a believer this morning, I want to challenge you to avoid and overcome apathy in your life and to live a life, a spiritual life that is fully alive in your relationship with Christ. This is something that the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12. He says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Some translations say, Never lose your enthusiasm. It's talking about our passion in in living in our relationship with Jesus and God's purposes in, in, in the world. These words, zeal and fervor, it's not talking about being kooky or or being weird here, but it is saying that we should be engaged and committed in our relationship with Jesus. Okay, now does this matter? Well, God says it matters. In fact, this is something Jesus says in the book of Revelation. He says this in Revelation 3. These are Jesus' very words, and he's talking to believers who have grown apathetic, complacent in their faith. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus here is saying uh, that he, he would rather us be either passionate in our faith, engaged and committed and growing in our relationship, or he would prefer it if we just had no relationship at all. And that we didn't care what God's word meant for our life. We didn't care what God's word had to say about our finances, our time, our schedules. We didn't care what it had to say about us raising our kids. He'd say, I'd rather you be there because then at least I would know where you stand. But he's saying to be a lukewarm believer, just complacent, just going through the motions. He literally here says, it makes me sick. He said, it makes me want to vomit. I just ask you the question, when was the last time you felt nauseous or maybe even vomited? Think about that for a second. That is not a pleasant place to be. For me, it was last year. Um, my wife brought home something called goat cheese. <laughs> Don't. Not even once. Okay, just stay away from goat cheese. She brought out this goat cheese. I ate some. I don't know if I got the flu or if it was the goat cheese, but that night I got violently. I was ill even the next day. And now I can't even stand the sight of goat cheese. My wife brought it home. A couple months later, I had, to, I, I had to leave the room, just the sight of it, the smell of goat cheese. I told Danielle, I said, Jesus said he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. You were not to be 
We're not to be eating their cheese. It makes me sick, just the thought of it. Think about what is that that makes you sick? That's the language Jesus is using here. A lukewarm believer, a lukewarm Christian, it makes Jesus nauseous. Okay, so this is something that's very important to God. And you might wonder, well, how do I know if I've become lukewarm? How do I know I'm just going through the motions? Let me ask you a few diagnostic questions. And and this is just between you and God this morning. Is your prayer life sporadic? You know, are you just praying when you need something? That could be a sign to you that you've you've lost your zeal. Do you hear a message at church, but you make no effort to put it into action? Have you stopped serving, or maybe you never started? Is there a pattern of sin in your life that you've accepted? You've simply said, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to struggle with for the rest of my life, and you're not dealing with it. Is the only time you read or think about God's word here on the weekend? Do you know someone far from God, but you spend no time praying for them or inviting them to church? In other words, you've lost your zeal and your passion for seeing the kingdom of God grow. Friends, I got to tell you, I can say um, yes to just about everything on this list. I've I've been guilty of this at some time, you know, one time or another. Uh, But I want to say, if, if you are struggling with most of these things this morning. If you would have said yes to most of these things, or maybe all of these things this morning, um, I would just say it's time to jumpstart your, your faith again. You, you need a jumpstart. You need, you need an arbor vita thrown onto the fire of your faith so that that can be rekindled and you can be fully alive in the Lord again. This is what Jesus wants for all of us. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about three things. If you have a handout, uh, you can follow this along and fill in the blanks. But three things that I believe if we will practice these things and do these things, it will help us keep our passion, our zeal, and our fervor alive for the Lord. Okay? So here's the first one, practices. Practices. There's got to be certain practices in my life that help me to keep my zeal alive, to keep my Keep me fired up. In fact, God's word teaches us many different practices that we are to do as believers to help us stay passionate in our faith. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Work out your salvation with awe and reverence. Now, I want you to notice what Paul did not say here. He did not say work for your salvation. Okay. Many believers, uh, unfortunately, uh, miss what this is saying, and they twist this. Uh, the, Paul could have used a completely different word if he wanted to say, work for your salvation. He didn't say that. He said, work out your salvation. Uh, friends, you need to understand, if Jesus is in your life, God has already done all the necessary work for you to have salvation. What you do is you believe that, you trust that, you're trusting in what Christ has done for you by giving his life on the cross. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. Okay, I said a couple weeks ago, receiving the gift of salvation is the easiest thing you do in the world because it's a gift. But I said wrapping our hearts and our minds around it and walking in that every day and what God says of us and believing that and trusting in him, I said that's the hardest thing to do in the world. 
It requires supernatural faith in our life. And this is what Paul is saying. Not work for your salvation. He's saying work it out so that you become who God says you already are. You become how God already sees you in his sight because of what Christ has done for you. And you do this through all kinds of practices in your life. You know, we just saw the practice of baptism. I could mention that. That's a step of faith, an act of obedience. Uh, Coming to church on Sunday, friends, this is a good one. There's a reason Jesus died for the church, and there's a reason Jesus is so passionate about the church. We need to gather at least once a week to come together and worship together and hear the, the, the God's word together and pray together. We need to do this at least once a week. And um, so I just want to encourage you, you know, don't avoid church. If, you, if, if you're coming back and it's been a long season, try to recommit yourself to being here as often as you can and bringing your kids as well. But the practice I really want to hone in this morning is the practice of just spending quiet time with God. You and I need quiet time with God, and we need it daily, right? The big idea is that you just, you need a time in your busyness of your day where you can connect your heart with God and and hear whatever God might want to say to you. You can spend a little time in his word. This is how he best speaks to us. Spend a little time in prayer. But you need to open up your heart to what God might want to say to you. Um, last year, uh, my father-in-law invited me to uh, go snowshoeing with him up in the country, up where they live. He knows I love snowshoeing, and it's one of the winter activities I, I really do love and enjoy doing. Uh, but when I woke up that morning, the day we had scheduled this snowshoeing adventure, uh, the high for the day was negative 15 degrees. I don't know if you guys remember, we had a cold winter last year. And I, I saw that and I said, Danielle, I can't, I can't do this. She said, why not? And I said, because I will die. I said, I, I, this, is, this is not my thing. Um, I love snowshoeing, but this is too cold. When the high is negative 15, I thought for sure her dad was going was gonna to cancel it. He didn't. He was all excited. And so I started thinking of excuses that I was going to come up with to, to get out of this. Danielle said, I think you need to go. I was like, no, uh, I don't think I should. Um, and, but, I, but I had my quiet time that morning, and so I, I opened up God's Word, spent a little time in prayer. And I got to tell you, just as clear as day, because I was talking to God about this, I heard God tell me, you need to go. You need to go. And I didn't want to, and I was, you know, not happy about it, um, but I have seen the hand of God in my life enough to know I need to be obedient when I, when I feel those promptings. So, you know, I'm grumbling and I'm complaining along the way as I'm packing up my boots and packing up my gear. And we go up north and I'm thinking, surely when I get to the door, her dad's going to say, okay, we can't go. It's too cold outside, but he's already dressed. So I go and I put on all my snow gear and we go outside. And yes, for the first 15 minutes, I did think I was going to die. It was cold. But you know what? After that first 15 minutes, it warmed up. I forgot that it was even cold outside. And friends, it was one of those days where the the sun was shining. It was a crisp blue sky. The fields were absolutely beautiful. We're going in and out of these creek beds. We're walking across lakes in this beautiful white snow. We were out for hours. We came back, had something to drink, had warm food to eat, and it turned into a magical day. 
I was so glad that I went. And I could almost hear God like in the back of my head saying, I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking, how many other things would I have said no to and come up with an excuse within my life and missed out on in my life had I not simply took time in the morning to connect my heart with God and listen to what he had to say to me, to say to my conscience, to say if there's a relationship that I need to restore or be re- that needs to be reconciled. There's someone I need to say I'm sorry to. There's someone in my life I need to encourage and love on a little bit. I started thinking about all the things I would have missed out on if it weren't for that time of spending some quiet time with God. And friends, I got to tell you, this is a very important practice in our life. If you're going to see your relationship grow with the Lord, you're going to have to connect your heart with him. So there's many practices I could talk about this morning. You need to think, what is that practice that maybe you need to to discipline yourself towards. Maybe it is just a daily quiet time with God. Okay, here's number two. People. I need people in my life if I'm going to stay passionate and keep my fervor and keep my zeal in the Lord. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. He's saying as iron sharpens and, 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 and uh, is, you know, has to go through the, the tough process of being pounded on and bent and then uh, heated and shaved, um, it's a tough process, but at the end, the iron is made better. And that's what he's saying. When you have a good friend in your life, when you have someone who can speak truth into your life, it will better you. It'll help you in your relationship uh, with the Lord. I would compare having a good friend in your life to being like having a mirror in your life. Uh, you know, if you, if you stop and think about it, we have mirrors everywhere. Every bathroom has a mirror. You probably have multiple mirrors in your house, maybe, maybe even in your bedroom. And why is that? That's because we want to see what we look like, right? And not just so that we can flatter ourselves, but we want to see what we look like because we don't want to embarrass ourselves. You know, if my hair's, uh, you know, all over the place, I, I might want to fix that. If, if I got, you know, well, I wouldn't have makeup running, but if, you know, those of you who might wear makeup, you know, you, you want to make sure your makeup's in place. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to step in front of a bunch of people and, and realize that maybe you have a big food stain on your shirt. So we, we look in the mirror to, to avoid those kinds of things. But, friends, if we don't have someone in our life who can point out Things going on in our person, with our personality or in our spiritual life, it's going to be like not having a mirror in your life, and you're, you're going to end up embarrassing yourself. You're, you're going to at least end up not bettering yourself because you don't have that person who can speak grace into your life and encouragement into your life, but also, as Jesus said, truth into your life and can point those things out that need to be worked on, that need to be changed. We all need someone like that, at least one person, if not more. For me, that person has been Adam Paul. Many of you have heard Adam Paul even speak here. My really, really good friend, he's been a spiritual partner in my life, and he has, he has not been afraid to point out flaws in my life. I haven't been afraid to point them out in his life uh, either, but he has given me sound wisdom, and he's given me um, things to think about over the years that have bettered me and helped me to be the best me uh, that I, I can be. I remember many years ago, uh, we were talking about some books that we had read, 
And I told him about a book I read, and he wanted to borrow it. And I was like, well, I can't borrow it to you because it's at the bookstore. And he was like, what do you mean? I told him, well, I went to the bookstore. I sat in one of their chairs. I read the entire book. And then I put it back on the shelf. He said, that's stealing. I said, no, I was borrowing. He said, no, you borrow at a library. A bookstore, you buy the book. And he said, what they're selling is the content in that book. He said, that's how that business stays in business. That's how those employees keep their jobs. He said, if you had a business like that, you would be upset if someone came and didn't purchase what you were selling, but still was able to use it. I said, Adam, you are a jerk. (laughs) And then I went home. And the next morning, I had my quiet time with the Lord, and I realized Adam was absolutely right. And so I went back to the bookstore, and I bought the book that I had had read. Friends, there are all kinds of things in our lives that you and I do not see. And when when we don't have someone who will call us out on our junk, we will start drifting towards apathy in our lives. We will start justifying sin, thinking things are okay, that God makes very clear are not okay. You need someone in your life who can show you grace, who can encourage you and remind you of who God says you are, but who can also call you out when you need to be called out. And so that's why we offer community groups here at Edinburgh. That's why we want you to be a part of a serving team. We want you to find who is that friend that you connect with, a person that you think you'll get along with, but also someone who can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. As your pastor who loves you, I want that for every single one of you because I know how crucial this is for us if we're going to keep our zeal and our passion alive as we serve the Lord. So practices, people. Let me give you a third, pathways. Pathways. Let me ask you this question. What if there was one way that you could connect with God, that for you, when you did that, it made you feel fully alive. Would you want to know what that is? I I would say you probably would. And if you knew what that is, would it help you to keep your passion and your zeal alive? Yeah, I bet it would. That's why Gary Thomas, he wrote a book called Sacred Pathways, where he talks about these, these different pathways that are unique to us. In other words, what he teaches is that you are wired differently than I am. I'm wired differently than you are. We all have these different pathways that if we will discover what they are and walk in them, it'll help us best connect with God and keep our passion and our zeal alive. So I just want to spend a few minutes walking through some of the more common pathways that he mentions in his book, okay? The first one I would mention is is called the intellectual pathway. You might want to write these down. If, you're in, uh, if the intellectual pathway is the way you best connect with God, um, you're going to be a person who loves to read books and loves to, loves to do in-depth Bible studies. Okay? You like to be mentally stimulated. You like to have deep conversations with people. And if you can't read and spend time having those deep, deep conversations, you're going to have a tendency to drift towards apathy. So if, if you are of the intellectual pathway... If that's how you best connect with God, you need to make sure you have books that have been written by great Christian authors over the years and people in your life that you can have spiritual conversations with on a deeper level. But you also need to understand that not everyone is wired like you, okay? 
This is what's true for you. The second pathway I would mention is called the relational pathway. If you're of the relational pathway, you just love being around people. You're, you're, you're what people call a people person, all right? Uh, you almost feel guilty when you hear stories of people who went you know, up to a cabin up north and were isolated and connected with God and came back a different person. Like you feel guilty about that because you would love to go up north and be isolated in a cabin somewhere as long as you could take all your friends with you. Because you're a people person, you love being around others. For you, you need that. You need to be carving out time in your life to spend time with others. This doesn't mean you don't also need quiet time because you need that too. But for you, if you're not around others in community, you will slip and drift towards apathy in your life. The third I would mention mention is the serving pathway. Okay. If you're of the serving pathway, you are the most joy-filled. You feel the closest to God when you serve others. You know, whether it's greeting people at the door on a Sunday morning here, you know, passing out the handouts, uh, working in our children's ministry or in our SWAT ministry or WANA ministry on Wednesday nights, whatever that might be. Even if nobody notices what you're doing, you feel fully alive when you are serving others. Mother Teresa was of the serving pathway. She said, I connect best with God and feel the closest to God when I am experiencing God through serving others. Okay? If that's of you, you need to find ways to serve. Fourth, the worship pathway. Some of us, we are fully alive when we are singing these songs on Sunday morning. Amen? I can see some of you. You're just fully alive. This is when you are in your happy place. You have forgotten all your worries. You've forgotten all your stresses. Your, 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 you know, your fears are gone, and you just feel like you are in the presence of God. If that's you, that's because you are of the worship pathway. This is the way you best connect with God. You need more than just Sunday morning. If you're of the worship pathway, you don't just need a prayer list in your life. You need a playlist. You need songs that you download, that you have available to you, that you can be listening to in the car, that you can be listening to before you go into work. Songs that are going to help you connect with God because for you, this is how you stay alive in your relationship with God so that you don't drift into apathy. And then I'll mention one more, the creation pathway. Friends, this is true for me. This is the one that I connect with. This and the worship, I would say. But the creation pathway is where you connect best with God when you are out in nature. Anybody? Okay. You actually connect more with God when you are standing on the North Shore overseeing Lake Superior or when you are snowshoeing across a white-covered field or when you're hiking a mountain somewhere than maybe you even do when you're here on Sunday morning. doesn't mean you should avoid Sunday morning. It just means that for you, this is how God has wired you. You are uniquely wired to enjoy his creation. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And when you oversee God's creation, you see his grandeur and his greatness and his beauty in your life. And it fills your tank. When I often get away and I'm able to spend some time in, in nature, my wife will tell me that she notices something different when I come back. 
that she knows that my tank has been filled, and I'm just, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm a different person. Back last week, we had some nicer weather. I got to be outside. I got to enjoy these beautiful, sunshiny days, you know, that uh, we're having. If it's been a little colder, I've been loving it, and it's just helped me. It's helped recharge me and fill my tank. And when I, my tank is filled, anybody, I am a less irritable person. Anybody else? <laughs> I realized this when I was driving last week. I was on the road, and I'm driving down the street, and somebody pulls, uh, cuts me off, I mean, right in front of me. They could have let me go by, but they had to get right in front of me. All right, this car, you know, it had a boy band sticker on one side, a whole political section on the other side. Now, I got to tell you, if my tank had been low and I wasn't feeling excited in my relationship with Jesus, I would have laid on my horn, I would have gone around this person, and I would have slowed down so they knew what it felt like. But I didn't do that. I got into the other lane, and I prayed for this person's lost, dark soul. Okay? That's, that's what I did. When, when, when your tank is filled, and you are fully alive in the Lord, you are at your best. And here's my promise to you, friends. If you will practice the things, the disciplines that God teaches us to practice in his word, if you will surround yourself with people who can speak grace into your life, but also truth into your life, and if you will figure out what that one or two pathways is for your life and you walk in it, my promise to you is that you are going to say things like this less. God seems distant. I'm worried about everything. I have no joy in my life. I'm stale in my faith. You're going to say things like that less, and you're going to say things like this more. I have peace. I feel content. And I have more confidence. Because that's what happens when we keep our passion and our zeal alive in our relationship with Christ and his purposes in the world. And friends, even if that doesn't motivate you enough, I want to leave you this morning with a final thought. Simply this, God deserves my best because he has always given me his best. God deserves my best because he has always given me his best. You realize even after Jesus says that the apathetic believer makes him nauseous, Right away, he goes on to say this, though, and he's talking to the apathetic believer here. Revelation 3.20 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. If you've lost your zeal this morning, if you've lost your passion and you're just kind of going through the motions, Jesus is saying, it's never too late. I stand at the door. I'd love to come back in your life and I'd love to be the fuel that gets you going again. You could start that this morning. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'm going to give you the greatest gift of all. I'm going to give you myself. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He's talking about our eternity. 
Jesus came, he died on the cross so all of our sin could be washed away. He's saying, I'm willing to come in your life and live with you. And then, friends, you're going to get to come to be with me up here in heaven and we're going to spend eternity together partying with one another. (laughs) Yeah, that's good news. (laughs) I would just remind you that no matter what you're going through right now, no, no matter whether it's good and all things are good right now or whether you're going through a difficult season, here's what Jesus is saying to you the best is still yet to come for your life. If I'm a part of your life, the best is still yet to come because I have made a way for you to spend eternity with me in this place we call heaven. God deserves my best because he has always given me his best. And so what I want to do is I I want us to close this morning with just a time for prayer. And I'm going to invite the worship team up here and we're going to spend some time, Just we're going to just sing one more song this morning. We're going to worship God singing uh, Call Upon the Lord. You worship types. You know, you're getting really excited right now. But as we sing this song, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let this be your way of saying, God, I want to give you my best. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us to stand up. All right, I got it. Let me close this in prayer. Lord Jesus, we just want more of you this morning. My prayer for every single person that's here or is watching online is that right now we would experience a fresh filling of your presence. You say if we open that door, you will come right back in. You will help us leave this morning with fresh zeal, with fresh passion, focused and committed to the things that you've called us to in this world. God, help us to experience a new life in that. Help us to experience more of you in that. And help us to be able to say things like, I have peace. I have contentment and I have more confidence when I'm close to you, Lord. May this be so for all of us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.